Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the privilege to come together and gather around your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Father, we pray today as we dig into your word, you would speak to our hearts, draw us closer to you, and Lord, give us the ability, the desire, the will to be obedient to your word. Lord, let us not be held back in this life by fear and the mission that you have given us to accomplish. But Lord, give us boldness today, courage to go out and share the gospel with the lost around us. This I pray in Christ's name, amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, we're just looking at verses 19 through 23 today. John 20, 19 through 23. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, I invite you to grab one of the pew Bibles there in front of you. And it would be on page 852 in the pew Bible. 852 at the very bottom and on on to 853. If you don't have a Bible at home, I do want to invite you to take that Bible, take that pew Bible, because we want you to have a copy of God's Word, so please take that Bible. It's our gift to you today. John 20, 19 through 23. Yanez Rus lived in Germany during the days of the Nazi ruler Adolf Hitler. During that time, he was... Well, a young shoemaker with great aspirations in life. He, he wanted to make something of himself, make a name for himself. And so, uh, as the, the, this powerful Nazi government came in, he, he participated in, in some of the public support for the Nazis and hoped to gain some kind of recognition with them. But then after the regime fell, he realized the error of his ways, and out of fear, he fled to his sister's farm in Slovenia. Slovenia. And there he hid out in her barn for 32 years. 32 years in hiding with, without so much as a, a visit to the, the town there. Never did he come out to socialized with guests who came to the house. 32 years later, after he was discovered, reporters asked him, they interviewed him, asked them, you know, why? Uh, they, they wondered how, how someone could stay hidden for 32 years. He told them how he al had allowed fear to keep him at home, away from anyone outside his immediate family. Fear ruled Yanez's life for 32 years. He went nowhere, visited no one, and, and lived a sad life of regret. Yes, 
the threat of retribution was real, but he allowed fear of what could happen to rule his life. You know, I wonder as Christians, how often do we allow fear to rule our lives? To keep us from experiencing the absolute joy of obedience to the Lord and following the Great Commission to share the gospel with the nations, with our friends and neighbors around us. How fear has robbed us and enslaved us and, and kept us from experiencing the wonderful blessing of seeing the life of the Holy Spirit breathe, breathe new life into a newly reborn Christian. Today, dear friend, I want you to know as we look at our text today, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can share the good news of Jesus Christ without fear. Because of the good news of the resurrection, you can share that good news without fear. And you can experience the joy of being a, a vessel of salvation to your friends and neighbors whom God has brought to, before you to, to share that news with. So today, I want you to be encouraged by this message. As we look at the Great Commission here as Jesus gives it and, and John accounts it here in his gospel, I want you to, to be encouraged to go out and share the gospel without fear. And so today, I want us to see three imperatives for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ without fear. Three imperatives. Now, if you remember where we are here in the gospel, uh, this is still Resurrection Sunday in, in John's gospel. That's where we are. We're still on the Resurrection Sunday. Uh, last week, we looked at Mary Magdalene's experience where she was confronted with Jesus at the tomb. And we ended with Jesus giving her uh, the command. He, he commissioned her. She was his, his first commissioned disciple to go out and share the good news. And she, he sent Mary Magdalene back to the disciples to share the good news of the resurrection. And so Mary Magdalene went <clears throat> and shared the good news there. But they didn't believe her. Uh, they thought she had lost her mind. They thought she was just... Uh, and such mourning and such grief that maybe she saw a hallucination and, and she was just out of her mind. In fact, Luke's gospel tells us that uh, as Jesus is on the way, on the road to Emmaus with his two disciples there, and uh, unbeknownst to them, it was Jesus, but uh, they were sharing with, with him that, that Mary had come back to the disciples' meeting place and, and shared this uh, amazing news and they just really didn't believe it and they had no clue they, they thought she was crazy until Jesus then uh, revealed himself to those two disciples and so now as we pick up with this text here in John 20 those two disciples ran the seven miles uh, from Emmaus back to Jerusalem to share again hey we've seen Jesus we've seen Jesus and it's at that point that we pick up in our text today. 
Uh, the disciples are there. They're, they're locked in a room out of fear, but they're, they're hearing all of these testimonies. They've heard the testimony from Mary Magdalene. They've heard the testimony from these two disciples, and, and they're still unsure, sitting there in absolute fear. And so I want us to look at that, beginning there in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Now notice that. Here they are, they're in this room, wherever it may be, someone's house, there's some, one of the disciples' houses there. They're in this room, and, and it says the door is locked. To say the door is locked, that means it is bolted tight shut. They are inside and they have bolted the door. They have barred the door out of fear. Now this is understandable for us because you remember just a couple of days before they had arrested their leader, Jesus. They had arrested him, sentenced him, and crucified him. Their leader was dead in their minds. And so as the followers of Jesus, they were thinking, we're next. They're coming after us. And so there they are in this gathering place with the door barred shut out of fear. That's very important to see here. These disciples are living in fear. They're not going out and sharing the good news that has been reported to them by Mary Magdalene and the other two disciples. They're not sharing that, but they're hiding in fear. How many of you have failed to share the good news of Jesus Christ out of fear? How many of you have, have allowed fear to keep you enslaved, to keep you trapped, to keeping you from experiencing the wonderful blessing of sharing the gospel with someone and seeing that gospel take root and, and new life being born? How many of you are living in fear of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others. The disciples are living in fear because of the Jews. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, picking up there in that verse, verse 19, Jesus came and stood among them. Could you imagine the thought that went through their mind? Here they are, the door is barred. No one's getting in or out of that room by the normal way. And all of a sudden, Jesus just appears. That tells us something about the, the power of his body, this uh, resurrected body. There's something greatly different about the resurrected body that Jesus can just appear out of nowhere and just be in the room with them. But that's what happens. They are there living in fear, and then Jesus just appears. He's there with them. All of a sudden, he just appears there with them. And so Jesus says to them, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. It reminds us of Jesus, what he said earlier in the gospel. My peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world promises you peace, but I give you peace. This is a peace that's everlasting peace. A peace that never goes away. When we truly trust in Jesus, we have this peace that surpasses all understanding. 
Oh, what a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful word from the Lord. Peace be with you. And then he goes on, and it goes on there, and he says, When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when, he, when they, saw, uh, they saw the Lord. So uh, they're, they're thinking, is this a spirit? Are, are we hallucinating? Is this really Jesus? And so Jesus confirms, it's me, guys. Look, it's me. Here's my hands. Touch my hands. Feel my hands. See, see the holes? Feel the holes? See my side. Here, here's where they pierced me and, and killed me. Yes, this is it. Look, it's me. Touch and feel. It's me. I'm here. I'm alive. I'm real. This is no hallucination. I'm no spirit. This is me. And once they realized this, then they were glad. Then it goes on there. Then the, the disciples were glad when they saw, that, saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now there's our first imperative. There's our first imperative of sharing the gospel without fear. The first imperative of sharing the gospel without fear is to embrace the authority of your call. Embrace the authority of your call. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, even so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, as he sent me to this world with a purpose, with a mission. That word there comes from the Greek word apostolos, which is the, the word that uh, we get the word apostle. Apostle. You think about the apostles. The apostles were sent out by Jesus to share the good news with the world. Oh, we're apostles in that sense. He sent us out to share the good news with the world. An apostle is someone who is sent out by someone of, of a higher authority, an authority figure. And, and the apostle goes out with that authority behind them. An apostle is one who, who doesn't go out on their own authority. They're not going out with their own message, but they have been sent by someone higher than themselves, someone with more authority than themselves to go out and accomplish a mission. Jesus was sent out by the Father to accomplish a mission, to share the good news of God's salvation. He came to, to, to preach the good news and then to go to Calvary's cross and die for you and me. And then to be raised again, assuring that the debt of sin had been paid and that life was provided in him. Jesus accomplished his mission. And so now he says to his disciples, as the Father sent me, so now, even so now, I am sending you. In a similar way, no, we're not sent to the cross to die for anyone, but in a similar way, we are sent out to preach the good news, to preach the news of God's salvation to the world. And we're not going on our own authority. We are not going on our own authority, but we are going on the authority of God Almighty and Jesus Christ, His Son. We are going on His authority. We are simply messengers with the message of salvation to the world. We do not depend on our own power, but we depend on His power and authority as we go out. 
this is illustrated for us in, in, in uh, Chronicles, 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles tells us the story of, of David's emissaries. These are ambassadors that David sends out. And it says, now, after this, 1 Chronicles chapter 19, you don't have to turn there. But here it says, now, after this, Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, died. And his son reigned in his place. And David said, I will deal kindly with Hanan, Hanan, the son of Nahash, for his father dealt kindly with me. Now, if you backed up in the story there, you find out that this Ammonite king had, had done good things for David. When David was fleeing from Saul and hiding from Saul, uh, Nahash there allowed him to, to stay with him and did great things for David, treated him well. And so now Nahash has died, and so David sends some emissaries, some, uh, some people in his place to go with the, the news of, of comfort, to comfort his son in his time of mourning. Well, as the story goes on there, this king, this uh, Ammonite king, the son of Nahash, as David's servants come, they... He, he has some counselors there who, who don't give him very good counsel. Uh, they begin to tell this young king, he said, David, he, he really doesn't have your good interest at heart. In fact, what he's done, he has sent these guys here to spy out the land so that David could come in and conquer you. And so Nahash's son treats David's counselors, treats his emissaries, with disrespect he cuts off their beards and 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 it says he he cuts off their their garments basically at the waist and sends them off well now this Ammonite king Hanan he wasn't doing this to these emissaries by doing this to the emissaries he was in fact doing it to David he was insulting David because these counselors, these representatives, they were sent out by David. They were ambassadors of David. And so doing this to these ambassadors was like doing it to the king. It was an insult to the king. And so when the king hears of this, when the counselors are sent back, so Hanan took David's servant, shaved them, and cut off their garments in the middle at their hips and sent them away, and they departed. And when David was told concerning the men, he sent messengers to meet them. For the men were greatly ashamed, and the king said, Return, uh, remain at Jericho until your beards have grown, and then return. And then notice what verse 6 says. When the Ammonites saw that they had become a stench to David, Hanan and the Ammonites sent a thousand talents to the, of silver to hire chariots and horses from Mesopotamia. In other words, they realized this. They understand this. When, when, when they did this shameful thing to the ambassadors of David, they weren't just doing it to those men. They were doing it to David. And because they insulted David, they had become a stench to David. And as the story goes on, David sends out his armies 
And he conquers and crushes the Ammonites and all the armies that they had that bought for or sent money to protect them. David conquers them all because of the insult that the Ammonites had treated David with. I want you to know as we go out, you're not going out as a representative of yourself. You are going out representing the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are going out under His authority. John chapter 13 verse 20 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. So many people, when, they, when you ask people, why do you, why do you fear sharing the gospel? And most people fear rejection. That's the, the chief fear, the king fear. They fear rejection. I want you to know, I, I, I want to ask you, do you fear rejection? Is that what keeps you from sharing the gospel with your neighbor? Is that what keeps you from sharing the gospel with your family? Do you fear being rejected by them? I want you to know they're not rejecting you, dear friend. If they reject your message, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God himself and Jesus Christ our Lord. Don't fear rejection, but embrace the authority of your calling and share the good news of Jesus Christ without fear embrace the authority of your call second the second imperative of sharing the good news without fear is this trust the power of the holy spirit within trust the power of the holy spirit within verse 22 in john uh, uh, john 20 reads and when he said when he had said this he breathed on them and said receive the holy spirit so as he he stands there and he he's speaking to them jesus turns to them and begins to breathe on them breathe air on them and says receive the holy spirit now at this point this is not the the reception of the holy spirit we know this, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't fall down on the disciples until after uh, Jesus has ascended into heaven. On the day of Pentecost, it says in uh, Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were there, again, still in hiding. They were in hiding, in a room, closed, and the Holy Spirit falls upon them. But, but this, is, this represents what is to come. Jesus is showing them what is to come as he's blowing on them saying receive the Holy Spirit he's telling them what is to come this is an image of what will happen Jesus is going to blow his spirit on them he is going to allow the Holy Spirit or send the Holy Spirit to fall down upon them to to live within them Earlier in John's gospel, again, he, he tells them, thus far, the Holy Spirit's been with you, but when I ascend, he will be in you. What a wonderful truth. Man, can you imagine, do you understand, do you comprehend the wonderful privilege we have of being this side of Calvary's cross? 
all the saints before the resurrection and the ascension of the Lord, they had the Holy Spirit with them, but not in them. But as followers of Jesus Christ, this side of the resurrection, on this side of his ascension, not only do we have the Holy Spirit with us, but the Holy Spirit lives in us. And he lives in us for a purpose. He lives in us for a purpose. And not just to, to give us some new fang-dangled power. Not just to give us these gifts of the Spirit. But He has empowered us to be witnesses. He's empowered us to carry out the Great Commission. To share the good news of Jesus Christ. John chapter 15, verse 46 through 47. But when the Helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me. The Holy Spirit will bear witness about me. And you, and you, because of the Holy Spirit living in you, you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. You see, the Holy Spirit's purpose of being in us is not to make us feel good. Not to give us the tingles or the shakes or anything like that. The Holy Spirit, He doesn't live in us to, to just, just to assure us of our salvation. The Holy Spirit lives in us for a purpose. And that purpose is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost. To be witnesses of the great work that God has done to redeem a people for himself. Dear friend, if you're living in silence, if you're living in fear, failing to share the good news, you are not experiencing the full power of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Spirit resides in you to bear witness about Jesus. To transform you into the ultimate, the, the, the image of Jesus. To make you like Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He came to share the good news. Oh dear friend, you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to share the good news. Embrace that power. Trust in the power of the Holy Spirit within you. And go out and Preach the good news. Share the good news. I remember in, in college, Bible college, uh, I had to take Evangelism 101, personal evangelism. I think it's what they actually called it, but Evangelism 101 sounds good, doesn't it? I had to take Evangelism 101. And honestly, y'all know me, right? I, I'm an introvert. I, I'm not very good with the one-on-one -on -one conversation. I can stand up here in front of all of you all day long and just talk, 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 talk and, and, and preach, you know, preach God's Word. I, that's where I'm at home. Uh, I love that, but one-on-one -on -one is not always so comfortable for me. And so uh, personal evangelism is it's really just not that easy. Even still, I still... I got to push myself. I got to make myself get out there and do it. It's a struggle for me because of my personality. And so when I had to take Evangelism 101, I, I really, I put it off. I mean, this was 
early. God had just called me into the ministry, and, and, and so I, I put evangelism off. I, I put it off to the very last semester, in fact. But I had to take it. It was a requirement to, to graduate from CBC, and so I, I, I had to take it. And so I took Evangelism 101, and the last requirement to pass evangelism was to go out and share the gospel with a stranger. You had to go share the gospel with a stranger. And so our teacher, he, he put us in groups. And so I had a group of, of there's three of us guys. And we were assigned to go to UCA, University of Central Arkansas, to go on their campus and just kind of roam around the campus and share the gospel, evangelize the lost there on, on UCA's campus. And I was scared to death. I was scared to death. Now, I was with a guy who was a, he was a, well, a preacher of a long line of preachers. His grandpa was a preacher. His daddy was a preacher. And, and he was just, he was very you know, person, person, right? People, person. And, and so he had no, he has no problems of sharing the gospel with anybody. And so, I mean, he just walks up as soon as he gets there. He just walks up to, to somebody, hey, hey, you know Jesus? You know, and he starts sharing the gospel with people. And, and he's here, there, and everywhere. And I'm sitting there on a bench, and I'm just, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I get up. I got to go do this. And, and honestly, the first day I failed, I, I didn't. I just sat there. You know, I, I'd start, oh, I'm going to go this person. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I did that whole thing. I, I would just start walking to people and, and, and bounce off, reflect somewhere else just to keep from doing it. So the first day was a failure. I, I, I didn't accomplish anything, really. And uh, so, but we went back another day. And that day, I, it was kind of more the same. I struggled, I struggled, I struggled. Finally, at the end of the day, I finally got myself talked up the courage to go begin a conversation with a young man. And I want to tell you, for the first time in my life, I began to experience the Holy Spirit take over. And though I was scared of messing up, right? I was scared of rejection. I was scared of, of saying the wrong things. The Holy Spirit just kind of took control of the situation, and he, he gave me the words to say, and I was able to, to openly and freely share the gospel with this young man. And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I left with such greater joy experiencing the Holy Spirit's power in my life in a brand new way. And that one experience has continued to fuel me to share the gospel with others. Well, let me encourage you. If you're living in fear, fear of sharing your faith with another person, just be courageous. Just take that first step. Just open your mouth that first time. Allow the Spirit to begin to work in you and just feel the Spirit working through you. You'll be addicted. You'll be addicted. You'll love it. Take that first step. Share the gospel with someone. Make that commitment today to, to find someone this week. I'm, this week, I'm going to share the gospel with 
a lost person, whether it's a stranger or my next door neighbor, I'm going to share the gospel with someone so that I can see the Spirit working through me. Make that commitment today. Trust the power of the Holy Spirit within you. If you want to share the good news of the resurrection without fear, you must embrace the authority of your call, trust the power of the Holy Spirit within you, and third, focus on the promised results. Focus on the promised results. Notice what it says there in verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now this, honestly, is a, a difficult passage to, to really understand. Uh, but I'm going to try to open it up for you a little bit. You know, we can accomplish great things when we begin to focus on the end result, can't we? If we begin to think about the end result... Whatever it may be, maybe, maybe it's a, a, a new diet, right? You're on a new diet, and, and, and you, if you focus on the end result, here's what I want to be, here's the, the weight I want to achieve, here's the, the shape I want to be in. If we focus on that end result, then we can accomplish great things. We can keep on course. It's when we forget that end goal, that end result, that we kind of get off track. You know, whether it be school or, or whatever, when we understand the end result and we begin to focus in on the end result, that end result can keep us on track, keep us focused and more dedicated. Well, that's really what Jesus is getting at here. He, he's showing them the end result. Here's the result of sharing the good news. Here's the end result. If you withhold forgiveness for any, it is withheld them. If you, with, or excuse me, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, this verse, we have to remember the context of this verse. This verse is in the context of the church, first and foremost. It's in the context of the church. Jesus is speaking to the church of that day. That small room of believers, that was the church. The whole church in this one room. And Jesus is speaking to them. This is not for an individual. If you hold a grudge against someone, God's going to hold a grudge against them. No, no, no. That's not what's being said here. If you fail to forgive someone, God's not going to forgive them. Uh-uh, no, no. This is in the context of the church. He is speaking to the church. Second, this is in the context of the Great Commission. This is in the context of, of sharing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel to the lost. So when Jesus says, if you forgive someone, they are forgiven, or if you withhold forgiveness, they, that forgiveness is withheld. He is talking about as we proclaim the gospel, and those people respond to the gospel. It's that response to the gospel that determines forgiveness or unforgiveness. It's that, that response to the gospel 
We don't dictate who gets forgiven and who stays unforgiven. Forgiveness is in the power of God Almighty. It's not in our hands. We only have authority over it in the sense that we get to share the gospel. The only message of life. The only way of salvation. We share the message of life, and when we share the message of life, when a person responds to it, they either respond by receiving it, embracing the message, and embracing the Savior, or they respond by rejecting it. If they receive it, their sins are forgiven them because they've been hung on Calvary's cross. They've been paid for. They are no more. But if they reject the gospel, if they reject the message of the Savior, then their sins are not forgiven. Their sins are still on them. And they will pay for them. But dear friend, that's the result. As we share the good news, this is not like the daily news of the newspaper. It may have a result or not. Right? The, the news that we get in the newspaper, it, it oftentimes doesn't affect us whatsoever. But this, is, this news affects everyone. It determines the final destination, the eternal destination of everyone. This is the most important news of all. And it only comes by hearing. People only know the gospel through hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How are they to know unless someone is sent to preach the good news, Paul said. Oh, dear friend, it, when we proclaim the, the, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ... We are giving people life. Here's life. Eternal life in Christ. If you only receive it. Oh, knowing that, knowing that he, someone's eternal destiny is in a sense in our hands or maybe in our mouths, right? We've got to preach the news. We've got to proclaim the good news so that people can respond to it and pray they respond by receiving it and trusting it and surrendering to Christ. Oh, let the final result, let the goal of our, our proclamation, let that ever be in your, your mind how is your neighbor supposed to respond to the good news of Jesus, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, if they're not told the gospel? How is that family member of yours ever to respond to the gospel if you fail to, to, to deliver the gospel to them? Keep the end result in mind. Focus on the end result Think about that and let that feed you and drive you.
You know, that young man that I began to speak with on, on UCA's campus, as I began to open up to him and, and began to share the gospel with him, there was a point in our conversation that I began to see something taking place in him. His attitude began to change. He began to ask questions. He, he began to think through things. And, 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 his light, and his eyes began to get brighter and brighter. And, and there was a change. Life was breathed as the gospel was shared. And that day on UCA's campus, that young man prayed surrendering his life to Christ. Because God allowed me to share the gospel with him. That's the result. To see new life born right before our very eyes as the Holy Spirit comes in and takes control of someone's heart and, and gives life to a, someone's heart. Share the gospel without fear by focusing on the end result. New life. Share the good news, dear friend, without fear. Because the, re the results of the resurrection you can share the good news of Jesus Christ without fear, embracing the authority of your call, trusting the power of the Holy Spirit within you, and focusing on the promised result of salvation for all those who believe. Let me challenge you today. Commit right now. If you're living in fear of sharing your faith with others. Commit today to sharing your faith with one person this week. Find your one. Find your one, whomever that one is. And if you haven't found a one, if you haven't determined who your one is, then let me challenge you to pray, God, show me my one. Find that one person that God wants you to, to invest in and share the gospel with. Commit today to share Jesus without fear. Maybe it's not even fear. Maybe it's just complacency. Maybe it's just complacency. You've, you've gotten complacent about sharing the gospel with others. Then let me encourage you. Wake up from your slumber and get to the task God has assigned you and share the gospel without fear pray this week pray this week that God would show you open your eyes to the lost all around you to give you a heart for the lost that you might share Christ without fear for some today, you came and you don't know Jesus. You don't know the power of the Holy Spirit in your life because you've never trusted in Jesus Christ. Then today, take that first step.
If you hear the good news of Jesus Christ, which has been spoken here today, that Jesus has died on the cross for your sins, paid the penalty of, of your sin in your place, has been resurrected, assuring new life. If you trust in Jesus, then your sins are forgiven you. And you can have new life in Him. But if you reject that message, you reject forgiveness. You are not forgiven. And if you die and stand before God, you will die in your sin. And you will receive everlasting judgment because of your sin. God loves you and He gave Himself for you if you'll trust in Him. Trust in Him today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You even now for the wonderful privilege we have as Your people to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of salvation that brings life the dead hearts. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of your redeeming work. Lord, let us not cower in fear, but let us in boldness proclaim the good news of Christ with the lost. And Lord, let us know the blessing of seeing you work in hearts and lives transforming those whom you put before us, seeing them transformed into the image of Jesus. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.